Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's sponsor is my bookshop.org store and my Amazon store. I don't know if you guys even know that I have these, but you should check it out because I sell all the books that I've had on this podcast, so you can easily find them and buy them. The bookshop.org site is bookshop.org slash shop slash Zibby Owens. And the Amazon shop is amazon.com slash shop slash moms don't have time to read books. So I hope that you will check out my Amazon influencer store and my bookshop.org storefront. And the bookshop.org storefront also has all the books from my Zibby's virtual book club and some other suggested reads. So I hope you will check those both out and go shopping. Go buy some books from the podcast and support all these amazing authors. I loved this episode with Lauren Martin, and her book is one of my recent favorites, truly. Lauren is a Philadelphia-based writer. She has been the head lifestyle writer for Elite Daily and a contributing writer for Elle, Complex, and Bustle magazines. She is the founder and head writer of Words of Women, a popular blog that aims to educate, inspire, and transform the lives of its 300,000 followers. Lauren is also the creator and author of the children's YouTube series and book, The Adventures of Mina and Jack, featured in the New York Times, BBC, Huffington Post, and the Washington Post. Her new book, The Book of Moods, blends cutting-edge science, timeless philosophy, witty anecdotes, and self-care advice. Lauren has written a powerful, intimate, and incredibly relatable chronicle of transformation, proving that you really can turn your worst moods into your best life. This has been exceedingly helpful for me personally. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I literally cannot wait. I have like been counting down for this interview because your book, which is called The Book of Moods, How I Turned My Worst Emotions into My Best Life, has been like the most helpful book I've read. And it's like, it, it's so much more. It's not self-help. It's not memoir. It's like this perfect hybrid of like, here's what happened to you. And here's how I can help you. And here's what you need to know. And it's shifted my whole mindset on everything. So anyway, <laughs> I'll just say, maybe maybe you should jump in and just tell listeners what the book is really about, what inspired you to write this book, and then we'll go from there. So we'll much to talk there. about. <laughs> I mean, I'm just so happy that you thought that because I was worried, you know, with the book being published during this crazy pandemic, like, oh, wait, is this going to seem trivial? Like, is this... A- But now I'm realizing more than ever, people are kind of locked in their emotions and locked in these places that they, and I feel like we're dealing with such monotony, but also it's like life is expanded and we kind of need something I think to ground us. And I'm hoping this book is that, but basically the book started obviously before COVID hit five years ago, I was living in New York basically was in my 20s and I had everything I wanted. I had a good job and magazine. I had just moved in with my boyfriend. I was living in New York city. But I kept, I don't want to say breaking down, but just like 
ruining my days. And I would get in these bad moods. And one day I came home from a really bad day at work. And I remember I was just in a bad mood. It was a bad commute. I was just irritable. And my husband was there and he's just always in a good mood. And he was making dinner and he was excited to see me. And I was just a bitch. Like I was just cranky. I was mean. I was I was moody and I couldn't get out of it. And he like poured me a glass of wine. He was trying to talk. And eventually he just snapped. And this was after like probably six months of living together. And he was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I really can't live with someone who cannot control. Like it's exhausting, like these ups and these downs. And I realized for the first time, and I think when you live with someone, you're forced to look at yourself in a different way. I realized like my moods didn't just affect me. They affected him. And you know, it's one thing for me to have a bad day or a bad week, but like that affects those who you live with. And, you know, I talk about in the book, moods is energy and energy is transferable. And it just kind of, is a snowball effect. And so that happened. I kind of was like, all right, he's like, we broke up for a little. I also met this amazing girl, which I talk about in the book in this bar. And she was like, what's wrong? Like, why are you drinking on a Monday night? And she was said it so simply. She was like, oh, you just have moods. Like, you too. But she was one of those women who just, like, I could tell how to handle on them. And I realized, like, okay, like, maybe this is something for me to figure out for women. Maybe there's so many more women like me who feel this way, who, like, can't seem to get through a day without obsessing over a remark or, like, you know, looking in the mirror and, and not liking what they see and then just not being themselves and feeling bad. And I just was like, you know what? I want to explore this. So I spent five years studying all my moods, just like anytime something put me in a bad mood, like a comment from my mom, a subway delay. And I tried to kind of like organize them and then evaluate them. And then I started working on things to try and fix them, like things I would read from psychology or spirituality or science. And then it's the book is kind of a whole... I guess, distillation of the best things I learned and the things that worked for me. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I am so with you on having moods. And I wish that when I was your age, I'm in my forties now, but I wish that back then when I was having so many moods, like I had taken five years to sort them all out <laughs> because I mean, I, you know, I pursued different like tactics for trying to regulate myself, but I think so many people have sort of what you're talking about, which is just like, moods that feel like they take over you and they almost feel out of your control and they run, they can run your life and exactly hurt your relationships. And you always feel bad afterwards, right? Like I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't feel like myself. And I feel like things like lack of sleep, all these things are like triggering factors, right? Like, and then what do you do? Like, what do you do with this whole composition of characteristics and your book just like answered the question in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I tried to group, I tried to make it because moods are very individualistic and I want people to like, I'm not going to be triggered by the same things that you are. And it's funny when we hear our friends complaining about their bad moods, it seems so trivial, but that's because that's their trigger. And the book is broken up by my triggers, you know, family, friendship, beauty, but at the core of those is the underlying emotion, which is, universal. So it's like anxiety, depletion. And so even though if you're seeing my triggers and my stories, I think most people will understand that feeling and that feeling. And what I hope they do is start looking out for their own triggers, which can be kind of fun in a way. And like, kind of like the love language, like find your specific triggers. So true. The chapter that I think stayed with me the most 
I shouldn't say I think one of the most compelling chapters was your chapter on on beauty and like when you got a zit on your face and you didn't want to go to a party. And to be honest, when I read it, I didn't know what you looked like. I didn't even know at first how old you were until you gave it away in the book, essentially how old you were. But so after I read that whole chapter and basically it was you saying you felt so awful about how you looked and that you've always been comparing yourself to other people and you have to like come to terms with the fact that like you're not a pretty person and that's okay and like everyone feels ugly from time to time and lets it get them down but it's okay and you can power through and you like come to some like state of really like resolution on it and how to carry those feelings in the world and not let them get you down and whatever and then not to be like totally superficial. But then I saw your picture and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what is she talking about? Like, you are so pretty. And then it made me, my heart hurt for you even more that like, you're not that it would have been okay for anybody <laughs> to be yeah. themselves up over it, but you happen to be very pretty at the same time. And for you to be feeling this ugly, and you even talk about being with somebody else who like made you feel that way, right? Like somebody you idolized and yeah, like, exactly. I can't believe she felt that way. So it's almost like everyone's feeling that way. So just tell me more about that whole section. Well, first of all, I so appreciate that. And, you know, since the book has come out, I never did Instagram blogs before because I don't like to look at myself. Like I just, I don't. And I, I it's, I talk about it in the book, I don't think women see themselves. I think we just look in the mirror and see this compilation of all the things we think are wrong with us. You know, so I look in the mirror and like to my husband, I, it's a totally different, he sees something completely different because I've grown up being like, oh, well, you know, my cheekbones could be better. My lips could be plumper. My eyebrows could be better. And so I don't see myself. And that mood, I, it's the second chapter because it was a big one for me. And like, especially living with a man who he's confident and, you know, he didn't understand, like I would have a, a zit and didn't want to go out. And he was like, who cares? And it just, to me, it was like, but my beauty is my worth. And I think it was coming to terms of like, my beauty is not my worth. And also coming to terms with the fact that like, I am beautiful, but in my own way. And I need to start appreciating that way. And there's this mantra that I talk about in the book and it changed everything for me. And it was the whole, you're not pretty like her, you're pretty like you. And I think that I, I found that a few years ago and I made like a little sticker out of it and I put it on my phone. And every time I was walking somewhere and like, I saw like, you know, a beautiful girl on the street or just was comparing myself, I would look at it and it started to like change something in my brain a little bit and really rewire it. And now it's like, I don't know if it's because I'm older or I've just practiced it so much, but I really do feel more confident. And I feel like I have these amazing gifts to give and I have these unique things that make me beautiful. And I'm going to stop comparing myself to women. And, and also when that happens, I think you start appreciating women more rather than comparing yourself against them. You can start to be like, wow, this girl's amazing. And, and I'm amazing. And that was, I swear this book was like, I was writing through it as I was experiencing it. So like every chapter, my friends, she, I, I let a few friends read it. She was like, this is a love letter to yourself. Oh. Like this is really like beautiful because you're, you can tell you're reckoning with something in each chapter. And I think I really did go through the chapters in real time and kind of have to experience it, which is why I'm glad it, it resonated with you. Totally. Even when you said like, when you, like you challenge us, like go back and look through photos from like three or four years ago and were you really as bad as you thought? Do you know what I mean? Like, and, like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. and, and also like being around older people and having them see the beauty in you as the youth itself. And that that's something just so 
intangible that like, until you lose it, you didn't even know, you didn't even know you had it at this, or you didn't value it. It had no value to you at the time. It was only once you lost it that it takes on its own value. Exactly. There's this amazing Nora Ephron quote that I put in the book and it's like, if I could go back, I would put a bikini on until age 35 and never take it off. <laughs> like we just don't appreciate ourselves in the moment. And then I always look back and like, wow, I was so like cute back then. And so, but right now I'm cute. like, why can't we just ever appreciate ourselves? And, and I think it does. I talk about in the, this chapter, like kind of a little bit of the spiritual aspect of like, you know, washing dishes while washing dishes. And yes, I loved that. Appreciating the moment. <laughs> that was I'm glad. Great. No, that was so great. I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. I'm like so excited. I'm not even letting you talk. I used that the next day. Well, because last night was last night or the night before last, I had that going on and there were so many dishes. And even when my husband was cooking, I was like, are you sure you want to make like eight things and heat up four things in other pots? Cause like, that's gonna be a lot of dishes after, you know? And he's like, no, it's great. Everybody's going to want this. It's going to go bad if we don't use it. I'm like, okay, fine. And then of course there were a thousand dishes and you know, everybody <laughs> left to like go watch TV or something. That's not true. I got, I had some helpers, but anyway, there I am like with my hands in the wet soapy water. And I was like, wait, this is what Lorna's talking about in her book. Like my kids were around me. Everybody was sort of happy. And I was like, you know what? Like this might be the best moment, even though I'm, I would normally be annoyed and in a bad mood that I had all these dishes and da da da. And is it worth it? Instead, that was like, wow, this is like a moment in time. And like, there are actually a lot of great things going on. And I was like, thank you, thanking you for that as I got that like mindfulness boost from the book. That is the most amazing thing to hear. Cause like, that's really all I think any author wants from a book is just someone, especially with a book like this that's more self help, even if just one thing sticks with you and that changes the way that you perceive something or live your life. That's a huge feat. That's like amazing to hear. And and I do the same thing when I watch the just now. I'm like, Lauren, appreciate this right now. Like this is a great moment. Stop thinking about the future. Stop thinking about what you'd rather be doing. Like this is a good thing to be doing right now. Your husband's in the other room. You're washing dishes for the food that you just had. Like life is good. And you even said something like, you know, maybe you're washing dishes and eventually you won't be washing dishes for two. You'll be washing dishes for one. And that made me want to cry. Anyway, it was, it's just such a great, the whole thing is such a great reminder of like making the best of life is really what it is. Right. It's like, yeah. I mean, I just felt like my bad moods, I was, I was wasting my life. Like I was wasting my life in these bad moods. It's like, why can't I be in a good mood more often? Because I know when I'm in a good mood, I'm my best self. Like I'm happy and cheerful. And like my husband said something to me the other day, he's like, Oh my God, you're so like cute today. I was like, why? Like I'm wearing like pajamas, like sweatpants. He's like, you're just happier. Like you're happy. And I think being happy is most women, like we just, we, we get so in our heads and we just get so distracted and then we're not ourselves. It's so true. So just like, what is your stand on medication? Cause I would say a lot of people might come back from this conversation and say like, well, maybe she just needs like a higher dose of Zoloft or something like that. <laughs> uh, yes. I, you know, I have been, you know, I think everyone kind of wonders once in a while, do I have depression? You know, my family, my grandmother is bipolar. You know, I think everyone wonders a little bit. And I have, you know, been prescribed, you know, Xanax when I couldn't sleep. And I talk about that in the book. And I think there's a fine line when you know, like, this is a bigger issue than something I can handle myself. And I, in high school, a doctor did put me on like Zoloft. I didn't stay on it. I think I was on it like a week. And I was like, you know what? This is ridiculous. Like, I want to see if I can work this out. And I've always had that. And I think some people are just born with a little bit more sadness than others or, and I think 
especially artists. And I find myself more introspective. But the point of the book was kind of like, I think a lot of women have this amazing quality for empathy and this amazing quality for emotions. And we, we have so many emotions within us that I didn't want to lose that. And I think this book has been my source of help and medication, but I do think, you know, when, if it, you know, there is a time and a place for you to seek actual help. And, and I think there's a fine line and, and I think you'll know when you should speak to your doctor if you are feeling those ways, but I hope this helps those who aren't sure really. And then maybe it could be like the last try. Totally. So how did you find the actual writing of the book? Like now that you've like, well, you loved it. Like, are you, is, are you, uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, it's not that I don't love it. I talk about it in the book. I think it's the first chapter. Yeah. Like are you, I how you like did a- not want to do it at all. And like, looked at it like, oh. I was going to have a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Like I was freaking out because, you know, I do come from a writing background, but when you're doing it for, and you probably know this, when you're doing it for a publication, you have a deadline, you just get it done. Like it's just, and I was writing like an article a day and it's just like, whatever. I didn't care. Like you care, but it wasn't just like, wow, this has been like my whole life leading up to this book. And like, this is a publishing company looking, I mean, you also understand, cause I know you're working on a book, not to be creepy. It's but not creepy. Like, it's, yeah, not creepy. Buy <laughs> my book, everybody. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Just throw that yeah. in there. I just, it was so anxiety inducing because I, I think I've started worrying so much about like, is it going to sell? Is it well-written? And that's when I really, and I, I started going to what I always did, which was words of women, looking at how other women approached it and especially writers. And I love writing advice. I just love it. So I was finding a lot of solace in how other women faced the, the blank page. And I really, and I took the best ones and I put them in the book. And I feel like writing advice is really like life advice, like, you know, focus on one more at a time, just pay attention to what you're working on, stop getting ahead of yourself. So the process started as very chaotic. And then as I was getting into it and finding this writing advice, it got much calmer. And then I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Yeah. People think my podcast is about books, but really it's about life, right? Because that's all writing is. It's all like stories and moments. And that's what a good book is. It's just like a way into somebody else's life and into their heads and into like their advice and all the rest. Yeah. And writers are just kind of like these vessels and we're just trying to explain our life experience and, you know, the things that we see in life and interpret out of life. So yeah, I feel like the two coincide really well. So tell me more also about words of women. So you had all the quotes, like, cause that's grown into like this huge thing now. Like, so tell me about that. Yeah, that was, so five years ago, I was like, obviously in this dark place and you know, my, my boyfriend and I had kind of broken up. I met this girl. I was really lonely too. And I talk about friendship in the book cause I felt like I was in New York, but I wasn't really, didn't have the college friends anymore and the high school friends and you know I had some coworkers, but I felt really lonely. And I was kind of seeking at the time, you know, women with moods and trying to understand it better. And I started finding all these amazing quotes that these women were saying and they really made me feel better. And I think a lot of pain has to do with the loneliness of pain and how we feel so alienated by it. Like we must be the only ones feeling this way. So when I found these other women saying like, I feel this way, I feel anxious, I feel insecure. And it would be like Isabella Rossellini. I was like, oh my God, like these amazing, successful, powerful women feel the same way I do. And I feel not only left alone, I feel really empowered by this. So I started kind of putting the quotes 
onto an Instagram account, which at the same time, I was like, I'm going to, because I couldn't get a publisher at this point. I was like an unknown writer. You know, it's really hard to get a publishing deal. It's hard to get an agent. So I was like, you know what? I'll self-publish one day. So I was like, I'll build this account and I'll kind of like lead in what I'm learning from the book and my own words and these amazing quotes. And in five years, I'll self-publish. Five years goes by and I also have a newsletter and this woman reached out to me on the newsletter who works in publishing. And she was like, I love your newsletter. I love your account. Do you have an agent? And it kind of went like full circle. And I really believe if you like invest in yourself and like really, and these quotes that I was putting were the things that was like driving me to keep going and keep following my dreams. And it just kind of grew organically because I think a lot of women like, like knowing that they're not alone and also like hearing these amazing stories of women. And I, I talk about it in the book. I also wanted to kind of disrupt the feed because I think a lot of our moods and our insecurities come from just like scrolling through this like perfected lives of others, these fake lives. And we see like, oh, look like beautiful girl on a yacht, beautiful girl, like friends hanging out without me. And in between that, I really wanted there to be just like an amazing quote that wasn't like cheesy or like inspirational, but like a really profound quote about life or friendship or just like the female condition that made you really kind of stop and forget about the rest and kind of think about something different. Would you do, or maybe you already have this in the works or something like just a a quote book, like a beautiful coffee table book with all your quotes? I would love to do that. I had one publisher, I think my agent friend reached out to me about doing it because, but like, I didn't let, like, I'm so particular because I've been doing it for five years. I basically did like a pitch to her with like all these quotes I would use and this idea. And she was like, no, like, I just would rather have it be like, you know, she wanted like a Beyonce lyric for the name of it. And I was just like, that's not like the vibe of words of women. Like if I'm going to do it, I want it to be done right. So I kind of tapped on it. So I'm kind of waiting for the right opportunity to really do it and do it right. But I would love to do that. Well, don't wait. Like you just send it out now. Like you have to send- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, now it's like, stop waiting. Now it's a really good time. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm gonna. If you if you just like maybe get your agent on that this afternoon, I bet you could. You know, call me in two weeks. Let me know if you haven't sold it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I love that idea. Definitely is on my radar. I was just saying on another podcast, I have this like secret. You know, maybe I should have a publishing house myself or something like that because like every time I talk, not every time, but a lot of times I talk to authors like you. I'm like, oh, I want Lauren Martin's coffee table book like on my (laughs) coffee table now, you know, like who's going to do it? If I could just make it happen, I would, that would be so cool. But I I don't know. I'm not at that point, (laughs) but if I were, I would be doing it myself. (laughs) Well, maybe I will wait for that. That's what I mean. I'm happy to just kind of like wait for the the right opportunity. So I'll keep an eye out. Okay, great. All right. Well, I have like four books slated ahead of you. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Fine with me. No, no, I'm kidding. So what, what are you doing now? I mean, you're, you must have all this press coming up for the book and all of that. Are you, are you still writing? Are you doing it just like on the side to keep yourself sane or or what? Yeah, it's so hard because I'm kind of superstitious. So I'm like, I don't want to start working on another book until like, I feel like I've, you know, sold enough of this one and I'm out of the woods and I'm very overly cautious and I do still work full time just because I work in marketing. I just, I'm like, I so want to be a full-time writer. Like that's my dream. This is my first book, but I'm just like, I don't want to jinx it. And God forbid I like quit my job and like, think this all, you know, I know how life works and I know that it can take time. And, you know, you look at like someone like Elizabeth Gilbert and you're like, oh, I'm going to be a bestseller like her. Like Eat, Pray, Love was like her fourth book. 
and that, you know, it takes time. So um, I'm working, I'm writing on the side. I still write my newsletter. I still run the account, which I love doing. It's like an obsession. I have a few ideas for, I would really love to do a book on like female friendship. I think it's not really talked about enough. And I think women have a little bit of like a warped view of like these friendships we should have in our 30s and 40s. That's not realistic. And I feel like it would be helpful to have someone kind of say like, look, I struggle with, you know, sometimes feeling lonely or maintaining a friendship I wish I could maintain. So that might be something I'm working on next. That'd be great. I'm sure you could put some of the quotes in there too, but you know. <laughs> oh, of course I'll put the quotes. I'm like a quote queen. You could do like the book of friends, right? You could have a whole series of- I love that. The book of- The book of, well, I, my husband and I are like currently working on getting pregnant and we had like a, a previous little thing, but it didn't work out. But I was thinking, you know, when I was pregnant for a little- Oh, sorry. Like the emotions is okay. It's like crazy how much, you know, I'm so happy more people are talking about it, like Tegan and all these amazing women. But in the few months I was pregnant, I was like, this is so extreme. Like these emotions and, you know, being a woman and caring, you know, having to just keep going through life, but also being pregnant and being tired and being nauseous and having your hormones change. And then I was so excited because I was like, oh, well, when motherhood comes, that's going to be a whole range of moods that I'm sure I haven't experienced yet and triggers. Yeah. Hold on to your seat for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of like also in the work as in getting pregnant, hopefully one day. But yeah, motherhood would definitely be an interesting subject. Yeah. Well, you could even call it like the book of trying, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I, I feel like there is not definitely not enough literature out there for women who experience, you know, miscarriages or lost children, lost babies. And you do feel very isolated when it happens. Especially because people say, don't talk about it until after 12 weeks. I mean, people are much more open. I have 13 year old twins and also like a seven year old and almost six year old. But like when I was trying to have my twins, like nobody was talking about anything, you know, like, and all of a sudden it's like, don't tell anybody, even if you are pregnant for 12 weeks. And I'm like, how could I not tell anybody for three months when I'm like vomiting on the street and like, right. It's like, this is the time that I would want to tell everybody every little detail because it's like the wildest ride ever. And if anyway, the whole call. No, it's, it's so true. And well, you're kind of like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, because it's like, I didn't tell anyone I, except like my parents. And then I was like 12 weeks. And then when I experienced the miscarriage, I had to go out with my friends because I'd been avoiding them for three months. So I didn't want to tell them. So then I went out for drinks with them and I just like experienced this intense, like traumatic experience. But like, I didn't want to tell them because I hadn't told them I was pregnant. So I wasn't going to be like, guys, I'm like really sad today. So it's so much that's internalized and you're just kind of care and you're going on with normal life and you're just like, this incredible thing happened to me. This also terrible thing happened to me. And like, I just have to be act normal. I'm happy to see more women are speaking about it, but I do think we definitely could talk about it more. Especially, you know, as you're going through it, you know, even if you're not ready to write a whole book about it, you should be journaling and taking notes and on all the feelings and moods. And I don't know, I think that a book like this on that would be really interesting too. Definitely. I've been trying to write about it. It's I will say it's been harder than I'll write about it and then I'll have a drink and like start crying later. And I'll be like, okay, clearly that was like a very, I need some time. But like when I was pregnant, I definitely was, well, first of all, I just can't get over how tired you are like all the time. <laughs> so I was like way too tired to even write. I was like, I'll write when I start feeling better and normal. <laughs> but like, it's a, it's an intense experience. Yeah. 
Well, don't, I didn't mean to put pressure on you to do it. Like okay. never, no. no, I was just, not, the, and not that you need more ideas. You already had like a fantastic book. I just, uh, I, I want to keep reading what you're writing. So that's why I think I'm throwing so it on. I love it. And trust me, multiple people have been like, you should be journaling. You should be writing about this. And, and I know as well. So, um, but yeah, I'm just excited. I think, you know, the first, my first book, it's definitely anxiety inducing, but I'm trying to, as I speak about in the book, like change that verbiage from like, I'm so nervous and anxious. So I'm excited. Yes because otherwise I'll have a heart attack. And even what you said about, what did you say? Like, it's not stressful. It's a challenge or something. Like it's not hard. It's just a challenge. Isn't there something? Yeah. I actually, I, it's been five years. And no, like, I'm sorry. I so should have had the quote at the ready. I'm like, can you please quote this back to me? Oh, here it is. It's, um, well, to replace calm down with I'm excited. I don't want to go or I don't want to, as I get to, mm-hmm. I'm scared. I'm pumped. Yep. Just kind of switching that. And that's called anxiety reappraisal, which is obviously a cognitive trick. And it really does work because, you know, the feeling of nervousness and anxiety is the same as excitement, but we, the way we label it is the way that we then experience it. So true. Okay. So do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Yes. Okay. One, I just wrote about this in my newsletter. There's always a back door. And I think the hardest part about writing is, especially if you're kind of unknown and you don't have a large following or anything, you're like, what's the point? I'll never get published. If there's a will, there's a way. Like this is coming from me. Like I literally moved to New York when I was 22. Had no, I didn't even major in English. My parents wanted me to major in marketing. So they're like, you'll make more money. And no. So, but I just decided, you know, like I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to just walk door to door until someone gives me a job. If I'm an intern, that's fine, which I was. Worked my way up. And then I couldn't get an agent the traditional way. So I built a social platform. It took five years. But I think if you love to do something, it will come and have faith in yourself and have faith in the process. Even if you need to self-publish, I think there's no shame in that. 50 Shades of Grey was self-published. So even if you go towards your goal that way, just don't let it daunt. Like, don't be daunted by it. And once you start writing, I think the biggest thing is to kind of just have faith in what you're doing. And um, I literally have a Google page doc, which I also might one day publish of, I think it's 200 pages of quotes from writers giving advice. And so much of the advice is like, just get it all out. Just like put it, get it all down. That's what the first draft is for. And then the second draft, just rework it. And I think it's so daunting when you see the blank page. And it's just like, you need to kind of just spit it out, even if it's not good. And then you can rework it later. The other is Danny Shapiro. So Shapiro. I love her. Yeah. I know you've, you've met her and interviewed her. Just her book, Still Writing, is like my Bible. And she has so many good quotes. And I just love her whole like build a corner. That's what people puzzle, like good at puzzles do. They do one piece at a time. They focus on the corner. So I think it's just like staying calm and staying passionate and not getting discouraged by the process and not getting discouraged by, you know, when your friends are getting published and you're not and seeing like, oh, it's impossible because anything worth doing is hard. So if you have the fire within you to write, I think that's enough. Like if you have that burning desire, that's enough proof that you deserve to be a writer. Love it. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. Thanks for this chat. Thanks for your book. And Thanks for indulging all my random ideas for you, which you didn't need. I'm sorry. No, I love, they were all the ideas I've ever had and someone was just validating them. So thank you. Okay, great. All right. We'll stay in touch and congratulations. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks so much to today's sponsor, my bookshop.org and my Amazon influencer store. You can check out my Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash moms don't have time to read books and my bookshop.org store, which is bookshop.org slash shop slash Zibby Owens. And I hope that you will find every book that you are looking for. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 